This is Adam Leonard, and I welcome you to the Soul Growth Podcast, where you come to nourish your mind, body, and soul. Let's take a deep dive together into the depths of human experience to break free from limitations, unleash hidden potential, and grow into the greatest version of yourself so you can live your best life. Welcome to episode one. What exactly is the human experience? Now, before I start, I just want to let you know this is not going to be a refined or heavily edited podcast. And I really wanted the whole premise of these podcasts to have a kind of casual coffee shop feel. So I may go off on a tangent or fumble my words or, you know, just not be completely succinct. But I really wanted it to be raw. And plus, when I do it like that, I can pump out content more often and just get more value out to you guys. So anyway, that's, that said, this, this subject is the very sort of core of this podcast, the human experience itself. Now, the human experience, in my opinion, it often boils down to perspective. You know, it's, it's widely known that we all observe our own version of reality. Our senses filter out data according to what we believe. And consequently, we see what we want to believe. I think that comes from Robert McNamara. But interestingly, I believe this goes far deeper into you know, the fact that we often receive what we believe. However, that goes into a much deeper rabbit hole. For now, I want to do a bit of a deep dive into exactly what, as people, we experience. Through what lenses do we perceive the world? And if what we perceive is ultimately altered by what we believe, and what we are as an individual is primarily built from what we believe, we now we now need to delve into the big question that most people ask themselves at some point in their lives. Who am I? It's a big question. Most people would say their name, right? I can say I'm Adam Leonard. It's just a label, right? You know, I can say what I look like, you know, dark hair, blue grayish eyes, facial hair, etc. But that is, is that who I am? The characteristics of myself, granted. I might say, I am a coach. I have psychic abilities I've developed. Again, these are all skills, right? So if you're listening now, just ask yourself the same question. How, how do you define yourself? How exactly do you do that? And who are you really? It's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? 
And one of these things that I think is important to delve into here is that, you know, if you were to have your sense of self put into a different body, would you be a different person? I don't, I don't think you would be. It would just be you in a different body, right? Defining yourself as your appearance is different. You know, it, we sometimes people go, well, okay. I mean, I could say, using me as the example, I'm an Adam Leonard. I'm a, I'm a coach, psychic. I, you know, I help people, right? I have the ability to swim. You know, I, I wear this style of clothing. You know, we, we, we start to go down a description of lists, right? But the second that we take out our job, our profession, our body, we're then left with the personality, right? And what is personality? You know, what exactly is that? Now, personality could be defined as traits that are not orientated around skills, like the things that lead to behaviors. Right, this this is what I would, you know, if you peel back the onion skin, what aspect of myself led me down the line of, you know, training to be a counselor, which is a skill set, right? Um, it That's really what he is. And really, in a nutshell, I think I, I heard Peter Sage, who's a human expert and entrepreneur mentioned that really what personality is or what our sense of self is is our ambitions it's our sense of humor it's our drive it's our morality in many cases these are things that are sort of intrinsic built into us that you know can't be defined by our body or our skills but it is an incredibly complicated question to to kind of think about really and there are different ways of dissecting the personality I mean I delved quite deeply into astrology purely out of fascination the idea that a star sign could in some way have sway or indicate personality traits and there's a lot to delve into there and my experience of astrology is something that i will do a much deeper dive on because there is a lot of controversy around it but there are also some very very interesting correlations that i have found with personality traits where there is a consensus of certain alignments, certain Mars placements and sun signs and moon signs and things like that in different aspects of charts do actually correlate to, you know, skill sets, you know, career choices, personality uh, traits such as, you know, emotional temperaments and whether someone has a tendency to be more ambitious or more calm. I've found correlations there through looking at people's charts. But anyway, you know, there are 
many tools like that, such as numerology and human design. And, you know, I could go on. But that just shows some evidence, I suppose, of my journey in wanting to understand the personality. But in order to just help really think about this, I personally find that we could go off into a massive tangent with analyzing so many different things, but I want to focus on a specific area that's very much in line with my ethos. Really one thing that I have found is a bit of a unifying principle here that really puts things into perspective is um, the model that Rene Descartes, I believe, was the first person that utilized this model, model or created it. And it's the mind-body-spirit-identity model. And this is something that ultimately tends to put the human experience into three significant areas of life. Now, the first one being the mind. Now, the mind is quite obvious in many ways, is that it's where our thoughts tend to play out. And many people tend to fall into the trap that they are their thoughts. But many people that have been practicing meditation and into spirituality and enhancing your consciousness would understand that your thoughts are not who you are. They're almost like a, a computer. They scan the environment. They have words that associate to objects and events. And for the most part, they're almost like a, a form of data that communicates to the rest of us. But the mind itself, it's ruled by left brain thinking predominantly. And the left brain, it's all about proving something right or wrong. It's either one or zero, you know, almost down the, down the line of computer code. Right? It's, it's all about essentially, if you're going to be moving to a specific direction in life, is that the right path or the wrong path? You know, how do I navigate this terrain? How do I overcome this obstacle? It's, it's very much orientated around tackling, feeding information and tackling the current mental puzzle. You know, there's a puzzle that's going on in the world around us. We need to navigate it, whether that's a street or whether that's an awkward conversation, whatever it is. Thoughts and the mental dialogue dictate that. But because it's often associated to finding out whether something's right or wrong, it can often end up taking the main focus of our identity, right? So it's often associated to the ego in many contexts. We all know those people that have to be right. They're ruled by the mind and the mind itself 
loves to figure out rights and wrongs. And, you know, this is where we get the quiz masters that come along, you know, that they all know all the right facts that exist. You know, they, they're very much ruled by the mind. And it's interesting, I've often looked at those that have a wonderful skill set to, you know, have an eidetic memory, for example, and just record lots of facts and just have a, a wonderfully mathematic sort of capability. And I've envied that to some degree in, in many ways. But I've often noticed with those individuals that there seems to be something slightly missing that other people have. It's almost as if there is a focus on that specific area and that area has become or grown into the personality, which is why the, the, the kind of coined term of the nerds, which I, you know, nerds or geeks, which I was actually in for quite some time. I was quite into, you know, board games and computer games and those kind of things at some stage. So technically, you know, I am a nerd, but, you know, I grew into other areas of my character. And that's an important point, growing into different areas. The mind in itself is a wonderful tool, I would say. But it isn't the be-all and end-all. And a lot of people tend to get sucked into the fact that we are our mind. And especially when people who are very conditioned to job roles that use an awful lot of left mind function, a lot of deduction and analysis, they find it difficult to quantify their personality as anything other than their thoughts. And it's almost seen as an, an evolved state of being. You know, you're very conscious and in control all the time. Everything's deduced, everything's deductive. But within that mind layer of the mind-body-spirit identity model, there is also the emotional layer. See, the mind layer has both the mental and the emotional aspects to it. Because as you've likely noticed that whenever you think something, you also feel in connection to it. You know, and I've been a hypnotherapist for many years now. And when I quite consistently suggest to a mind, when they're in a nice relaxed state, that they are relaxed as I am now. And my voice gets nice and calm and monotone. If you were to continue to be listening to this and eventually relax, I keep suggesting the word relax over and over and over. And I'm not going to continue it now, just in case you're driving. Those suggestions, if accepted, turn into feelings. And many people, when they go through hypnotherapy, they feel deeply relaxed when previously they were stressed. And all most people would say, oh, wow, you've got a, a great ability to help relax me. And my point within that is often, well, I, I didn't do anything. All I did was provide certain suggestions. And then you allowed my words to sink in. And what was happening in your mind was grabbing hold of those words and allowing them to dictate how you feel right? Allowing them to lead the way. And so there is this, and we all know this with NLP, CPT, 
patterns of thought. We all know that patterns of thought weave into emotion. And emotions ultimately are previous learnt behaviours that have turned into an emotional comprehension. Like it's an autopilot thing after a period of time. So really what tends to happen here is the mind will then come along, have an experience in life. Let's use this as an example, okay? The you know, you're wandering down a the street, there's you know, there's potholes all down the street. At some point you trip over and you twist your ankle. Right. So what you've got there is twisting of ankle, the memory, the data of the pothole, the street. So you've labeled that street, that area, and then the feeling of pain. You know, that's, that's woven into a, a, a data form, like a little bit of information that's stored in your mind. And, you know, you get up, you brush yourself off, continue walking down. Next day, walking along, you, you know that that road's down there. And so naturally there is a feeling that comes over, a trepidation, a hesitation of, oh, um, you know, I, I, do I want to go down there? And it turns into an emotion, you know, again, because fear and triggers very strong emotional reactions. Or pain, sorry, should I say. Pain in itself triggers fear in us we don't we want to prevent that from happening again now i mean that's a very very simplistic way of doing things and then naturally we choose to not go down that path okay you know we let's choose another path now like i said that's a simplistic way of going around explaining how the brain works but on a fundamental level we have a comprehension that's of an environment with an emotional experience that's that's then formulated and turned into a belief. You know, walking down that area is bad for me. Now, beliefs take a longer time, right? Now, that's that's a bit more of a deeper dive in essence there, but and I will talk about beliefs because they are fundamental to human personality. But ultimately, the more our brain thinks in a certain way, the more those feelings will wrap around those thoughts and the more we will believe it. So let's just choose this other example. You know, you're a child and you're, you're quite happily mooching around a supermarket, okay? And then you just say to, you know, your mum or dad, um, oh, can I have this? And your mum and dad are, it's just, they're in a bit of a stressed mood. They're worried about things. They've got to pay the bills. And you wanting those, that packet of sweets or whatever it would be, it's just something that's just, it tips them over the edge. And they say, no, no, you're not good enough. You didn't tidy your room. You can't have that. Right? As a child, you know, before about the age of around about seven and eight, we we don't generate our conscious critical faculty. You know, we we aren't able to discern what's told to us by those that are our you know carers, essentially our role models, in terms of what's reality. You know, so 
that gets put into our subconscious mind. So essentially, this is, okay, I'm not good enough to get what I want. Okay. And if they hear that over and over, now you can't have that, you know, you haven't tied your room, whatever. If they keep hearing those kind of things over and over, and especially if it's emotionally charged, where the, the adult's snapping, and that role model, the love bond, is sort of entrenched with emotional, you know, emotional data as such. You'll find that that will formulate into a belief of, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to get what I want. And we've all heard this, I wants, I wants don't get, right? We, you know, many of us, maybe I'm showing my age now, but this process of us really delving into our belief systems and where they come from is, is really quite important for us to do. And so that child, they are later on, eventually, going to grow up with a belief system that whenever they want something, they're not good enough to get it. And so they will likely form belief systems to some degree that then there's no point in them getting what they want. They may become more passive in their life. They won't know why. They'll formulate perhaps a belief system that, you know, sacrifice is the right way to go. That ego and is is a bad thing and you know and they'll label people getting what they want as a sign of ego for example and again ego is another thing that we can delve into but you can see how that understanding at that time really formulates into a deep belief system and that not feeling valuable enough is a very deep concern it's the deepest concern, I mean, this is a Toby, Tony Robbins quote, you know, the, the fundamental fear of every human being is that is the fear of not being good enough. Like every single person on the planet can relate to that. And if we feel to some degree that we're not valuable on a very deep level, we, we in essence will uphold that. You know, we're not valuable, we're not good enough we will uphold that belief and make it true. And since I've talked about Tony Robbins, this one beautiful quote from Tony Robbins is the, the strongest force in the human personality is to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. Think about that one. I'll say it again. The strongest force in the human personality is to stay consistent with how we define ourselves. Now, if internally we believe that we're not good enough, um, we can't get what we want, we will consistently upkeep that. We will maintain that. So if we feel like deep down we really want to you know, live in a different country and rather than being uh, an accountant, for example, that really deep down you fantasize about being a deep sea diver and that's really what you'd love to do but I once don't get right. You don't deserve it. You're not good enough. So you'll do something else, right? And you'll consistently keep yourself in that place. Right? You see, that's all of that exists in the mind layer. 
of the human experience, which consists of the immense, the sorry, the mental and the emotional aspects of human experience. When I move into the body, the body layer of human experience is the very natural one is the physical matter aspect of ourselves. You know, the part that you would say, you know, whether you're six foot tall, whether you've got, you know, blue eyes or brown eyes or hair color, whatever it would be. This is the physical layer that is constantly sending us feedback when we fall over. It tells it, you know, we are aware of the physical pain that ripples up, it sends that signal everywhere. It's the physical strength that we have. It's the, the physical form, right? And this is always sending experiences to us. When we touch an object, the sensation, you know, all the nerve cells that as we touch a rough object compared to a sharp object, you know, the, that specific interface, that level of experience. When we're listening to music, you know, the, the effect of the sound hitting area drum and, you know, all of that, the physical aspect is something that many of us are very familiar with and it's the thing that most people would find themselves easily able to have a direct experience with you know people that go to the gym they're very aware of the fatigue in their muscles they're very aware of the rules of the physical game you know if you physically try to punch a brick wall it's gonna hurt you know the parameters of that field it's very kind of ruled in a way by newtonian physics you know force and e equals mc squared kind of paradigms here so we're very familiar with that But it's not just the physical aspect, see the body layer of the mind-body-spirit identity model also includes the energetic layer. Now this is, the best way to describe it is like the raw energetic field. It's the chi in essence that pulses off your body. Um, many different forms in which that it's it can be labelled, but raw energy, EMF fields. It's it's well documented that every human being or every life form emits an energetic frequency, um, an electromagnetic field, and within that field, there are different layers, different frequencies. And when we are full of energy physically, we will tend to feel it right now. And people tend to feel energy in a way that's not very well documented. I mean, it's, it's documented in the spiritual psychic realms where that feeling energy on objects, right? feeling energy from people, 
you know, when someone says someone has a big presence to some degree, or when there's an atmosphere in the room, it's quite often read from someone's energy. And I like to explain the energetic body as it's almost like a, a Wi-Fi signal that's oozing out of everyone, like an electromagnetic field that can be read and using the Wi-Fi signal analogy, you know, you link up to it and you can feel what it is. And, you know, from the psychic experience I've had, and that's something, again, I will do a bit of a deeper dive on here because many people might be listening and going, not psychic, well, I'm really interested in that. What? It's either a load of, you know, nonsense or it's something that, you know, has some validity to it depending on, you know, how you perceive things. But from my experience, everyone has had that understanding of when you can feel an atmosphere in the room or you know that someone's watching you and you can just feel it. You don't understand why. And you're feeling someone's energy. And when someone's hyped up and buzzing, their energy is high. And when they are low, their energy is low. And there is a a ripple effect where that mental states in the mind layer and emotion, you know, affect the emotional state of the mind layer. And then that affects the energetic layer, right? You know, we when you are feeling emotionally low, it affects your energy, right? Your your energy itself then dips low. And then that physical energy itself eventually filters down to your muscles feeling like they have less energy and less drive. It's one of those things where that inspiration and motivation, sometimes you think it's like this psychology, right? You'll think, oh, someone's just inspired me. But when you listen to a motivational speaker like Arthur Luke, um, oh, I said his name wrong, but you know what I mean, Luther King. Um, Martin Luther King, isn't it? Pretty sure it is, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, it's a good name to fumble, isn't it? But the passion that comes through in the voice, it's almost like there's raw energy that's just flowing to you. And it's that energy that you you absorb on an energetic level. You know, when you've got someone that's motivated and full of energy, it's actually their energetic field that floods over you. And the energy in itself ripples down into the physical body and then into the emotional body. And then your emotions start to change. This is the essence of energetic healing. You know, for any of you that have gone down sound healing and Reiki healing, for example, energy in itself is something that, you know, it's, it's, it's a wave, it's a frequency, right? It's a, it's a form of energy and it has a pattern. If we look at physical matter, it's, it's, it's an oscillating frequency to some degree. Well, it's when frequency turns into form, which is, which is a, a different vibrating frequency. But in essence, healing is just a different form of energy that essentially can be f 
thrown at or sort of infused with another person's energy. And we're all interrelated. You know, when we sit next to someone, we can feel how they feel. And, you know, sometimes we, you know, for the psychologists out there, and I know this line of thinking because I did a master's in psychology because I wanted to go down that route of, you know, the scientific way of understanding behavior. You know, you'll think there's a rationalization and that you are formulating beliefs, that there's assumptions that are associated to emotional forms, etc. But sometimes this is something that there is no rationale. You just feel it. And if you are switching your mind off and just bringing your attention to your energetic field. Now, if you're able to and you're not driving or whatever, do this little, you know, activity with me, right? Just... Just you see, I'm rubbing my hands here. You know, keep it going. We keep doing this. Rub our hands together quite vigorously if you can. And then we'll just we'll stop in a few moments. But when we do this, what we're doing is, you know, in the spiritual realms, we're charging chi in the meridians of your hands. Right? You're focusing your attention, your muscles, your physical body. Your, your mind, everything is focusing on the act of rubbing your palms together. And then when you, if you were to now stop and just hold them like a centimeter apart from each other and just feel that in and around your fingertips, in between the, just feel it. Right? And what you can find here is that if you just move your hands Closer and further away, and closer and further away, and just basically play with it a little bit. You can feel like a, a tingly, slightly warm, magnetic pressure, right? But we're not used to sensing that, right? We're not used to, with our conscious mind, sensing that, unless, of course, you work in energy healing or psychic work, for example. But this is an energy, and, you know, if you're still sensing this, you know, if you run it put your hands and palms over your ears I find the ears very sensitive and you'll be able to feel this sort of tingly almost shooting pains not pains but shooting sensations that sometimes run down the spine or you know it. there is an energy that's being sensed and you know maybe the strong scientific types would say well that's just a bit of heat generated but it's it's not entirely heat. You see, I, there are certain stages where that when you get sensitive to that, you can kind of sense that from quite a far way off where the heat that would come off the hands is, you know, out of the picture. And it's just an energy form. I mean, I can feel that from when I get into the zone, I can feel that from quite, quite far away. But essentially, this is the energetic layer and there are so many energetic frequencies going on you know the energy from the computer the emf fields from there the energy from someone else's auric field their their energy pattern and this is an experience that's going on and processed by our experience but we have lost our ability to consciously be aware of that and so it tends to orientate itself in terms of our gut instinct or a, or a vibe 
right? There's just a feeling. I, I, you know, I just want to walk down this road. I, I just don't really like that person. You don't know why. Or you really like that person and you don't even even talk to them yet, but you sort of feel drawn to it. And it's more accessed by those that are far more um, creative, I would say. The more right-brained way of, of looking at things. See, the physical aspect or the physical layer and the mental layer of the mind aspect. See, the, these are far more left-brain orientated. And then the, the emotional layer of the mind aspect that's that tends to sit somewhere in between the left and the right in terms of the left brain can understand through psychology the effect of emotions and the emotion the emotional effect on the mind but the energetic level the energetic aspect of the body level or layer sorry is something that is mostly felt it's uh, and feelings are something that you can't calculate that you just have to you have to switch your mind off and you have to start you just have to go with the natural feeling or sensation you know this is often why when you get a lot of uh, you know computer coders for example maybe or uh, accountants or people that are great in maths you often wouldn't find that there's a correlation with them being great artists and dancers, right? Because you you, you got to just let your mind go, let go of purpose, right and wrong, and just feel your way through it. Now, I know that's a generalization, right? But I think all of us can understand that there tends to be people that fall into certain sort of uh, natural tendencies. You know, you wouldn't be going into something like accountancy if you didn't have a very strong left brain numbers and deductive reasoning, you know, drive. But that's the energetic layer. Okay. And it's an experience that all of us have, but more so those that are more right brained leaning. Okay. And... For those that are more left-brained, you may find that this is something that is almost pushed aside or not experienced very often, or, you know, it's it's something that to some degree can creep up on you um, in terms of suddenly your energy is just drained for no apparent reason and you just don't know why. Whereas if you were sensitive to it to some degree, you might have felt that there was something wrong on an energetic level, but that with it and kept yourself saturated with it and then suddenly you're drained um similar to the effect of you know many people that i know that are very creative and spiritually sensitive maybe reiki healers or people that do meditations a lot they will say they can feel things from you know technology right the emf field from computers and things like that and there's a lot of evidence on it go research it that emf fields actually do greatly affect your biorhythms and your electromagnetic field and uh, there's a correlation with mental health and increased things like that but those that are used to feeling energy can feel it you know they because I, I, I can sit next to a computer and after a period of time I'm like oh I can just feel that I'm it's 
I just need to get away from it. It's starting to make me feel claustrophobic, right? Any of you listening may recognize that if you are sensitive to that. The people that work on computers all day and are very logical thinking will just believe that they're sort of getting just for some reason overly tired and they'll put it down to you've just been concentrating way too much, right? So they'll rationalize a different line. Now, understandably, there's going to be crossover and correlation between that. But you see where I'm going there. It, it, quite often, it depends on where our focus is according to what we tend to perceive. But then let's go on to the last layer, the spirit layer. Now, this layer is something that is very difficult for, I would say, a lot of people to be able to explain. And the soul layer is the first aspect. You've got the spirit layer and the soul aspect of that. And I should get used to saying it like that because it could be confusing to people, really. And whilst we're talking now at that point, let's, let's actually summarize that. You have the mind layer with the mental and emotional aspects. The body layer with the physical and energetic aspect of it. Okay. And the spirit layer with the soul aspect of that spirit layer of human experience. And the soul layer itself, that's the intrinsic aspect of ourselves that we quite often can feel when we're either in a deep state of meditation, where we're floating off into a in a state that would be more theta wave frequency here where we're often in a state of almost dreamlike sort of awareness and if we look at that simply just in the context of personal experience as humans the experiences that we have can often be filtered down to brainwave frequencies that are gauged in hertz, you know, cycles per second, where that in high beta, which is around 18 hertz, this is where we experience stress. It's also where that we will be very aware of the physical environment. We'll be very aware of the body, the pumping of blood flowing around our our body you know you've got beta that's at around somewhere between 12 and 15 hertz you know that's that's where most people live and that's the sort of natural cognitive levels where we're going to be very aware of our thoughts cognitive reasoning our deductive thoughts awareness of our feelings that kind of thing but more superficial feelings like um, am i hungry am i tired am i uh, is, how's my energy? You know, the, your energy level will be, you'll be aware of that at that point. And then when you get to between 8 and 12 hertz, that's where you're in alpha frequency, 
And that's the creative area. You know, that's where we kind of lose the logical aspect of the mind. You know, we've gone out of the the mental aspect. And then we're more into the different level where we're going more into the type of area of the spirit layer. You know, the second that you go into that, you're starting to connect with what my, some people might say would be your creative spirit, right? You know, that, that phrase comes out. And so, you know, then after that, we've got theta, which is the dream area between four and seven hertz, and then down to delta, which is a sort of up to naught to four hertz, you know, as the sleep realm. But from that alpha phase onwards is where we seem to have stepped outside of the physical realms, so to speak. We've gone inside. We're less outside in the, you know, what you might call the matter reality about reacting to things. And, you know, whether that's matter reality outside of ourselves or the feedback from the cells in our body, we're still dealing with matter, right? When we've gone into alpha wave frequency, we've gone into a place inside our head. It's like our own, you know, imaginary canvas. You know, it's it's very difficult to explain this experience, and I think it's different for most people. And this is the layer that's experienced at these hertz, the spirit layer. And the soul aspect of the spirit layer is felt through a kind of will. When we take aside logical thought and we go to like a will or a feeling or a drive that comes from the inside. This doesn't, it comes from a sense of what I call the soul, which is why the soul aspect of the spirit layer is something that I feel often drives creativity. It's the thing that often makes the difference between someone just running a race, whether they're just crunching calories and just doing the the motions to someone who's got their raw heart and passion into it right that's doing it for a reason like they they want to be the best at it you know they they their beating heart really desires and where does that come from and again this this is the personality to some degree you can argue made up in that situation comes from the from that internal drive, that that passion, the spirit of the individual. And, and it's something that's felt inside. You know, it's not galvanized by other things. It's something that you feel inside your chest. You know, you, you know sometimes you can just meet someone and there's, there is a spirit about them. They've got a lust for life. And it seems to infuse into all areas. You know, they can find something that's incredibly boring suddenly fun somehow because of their choosing to do it right and this is an area of human experience that most people don't quite know how to quantify but we all experience it right this feeling of an inner voice an inner wisdom and an inner drive a part of us that seeks to 
grow, explore, develop ourselves, surge towards something greater than what we currently are. And this brings me back to, you know, a beautiful saying that I heard where that the physical aspect of our body, the biology of us, the animal of us, in essence, is hardwired, in essence, to seek survival. It seeks comfort. It wants things that are safe and follows the, uh, the efficiency paradigm. It follows the path of, of ease. You know, and you can tell this by looking at neurological programming, right? So the more you think something, the, the deeper those neurological paths will go the more efficient they will become, the more myelin gets fused around the neurological pathways to make it more efficient. You know, you you train a certain way over and over and over, your body gets more efficient. You try to do something that is outside of that efficiency built program or those patterns, you're just not as effective at it. And so the body, in order to save energy and to preserve itself, chooses to stick with what it knows right and you know i'll choose to keep doing this because it's it's saving me energy it's that's the right way to do it you know it's the physical body and the physical form is you know just hardwired for self-preservation but yet we have people that like christopher columbus you know it's just wanted to explore and go out there and find out what's out there on the seas. People that jump in to explore the North Pole or, you know, you, any of the adventurers out there, that that spirit pushes them to make their bodies do things that they intrinsically, if you were just listening to the body, wouldn't want to do. Like, the body doesn't want to you know, push itself outside of its comfort zones, really. If you think of it, if you were to listen just to your body and the feelings of your body, you know, gym goers will get this more than anything. Like, there are times where the, your body is aching. It just, you've got DOMS, you've got your, the, I think the delayed onset of muscle fatigue is, I think, the terminology for DOMS. But, Basically, you, your muscles are aching, you've got the pain rippling through you, you know, you, you actually genuinely don't want to do it on a bodily level, you want to put that weight down. But what is it that makes you keep going? What is it? It's your beating heart, it's your soul, it's your passion, right? You just want to do it, it's your will, it's who you are, you know, it's... And that's something that's, it's, again, it's difficult to quantify. It's, it's what someone would say. It's just, that's who they are, right? They, they're, they're just someone that pushes themselves. You know, they're just an adventurous person or they're just an ambitious person, right? It's because they're soul. And that's something that's, it's not determined by your body. It's determined by an aspect of yourself that would be called the soul. Right, and, and I'll do a, another deeper dive on the soul because 
often feel like that the soul communicates to us in a very direct way. It's not complicated. The mind complicates everything. The soul communicates to us with ambition, with passion, with intention. Right? Uh, the, it's simply the clearest way to understand the soul is if you were to wander around town and switch your mind off and to simply connect with your heart, send your sense to your heart center and just feel for where curiosity was, right? Where, you know, curiosity in itself is an intention. What is that? What's that over there? You know, that, that pull from the inside. Um, and you will find that when the mind is off, the soul tends to take over. And this is something that, I could say, I will delve into in a much deeper dive when I delve into the aspects of soul contracts and soul wisdom and things like this, which we can connect to when we are in a bit of a meditative state and we can start to communicate with our inner selves and we can disassociate ourselves to the the more the mind and the body aspects of us so that's the the soul aspect of the spirit layer and then you've got the well the spirit aspect of the spirit layer right or the collective consciousness is one way you might call it and you can align this to dreams this is the best way to explain it and it's often experienced in that sleep state between naught and four hertz right um you know sometimes you experience it more when you're coming out of that um up a little bit more around the four or five hertz dreaming aspect but then the sleep state right the sleep state is often when you're in a deep deep sense but somewhere between that four around the four hertz is where you're on that perfect dreaming avenue and dreams are often experienced as a very confusing place especially for the brain the logical brain it just doesn't understand things you know i don't know how many of you have had dreams like this all of us have where you're talking to your mother but you're also a chair that happens to be in a place that feels like your home but it's also a boat at the same time and you're on a mission but you don't quite know what that mission is but at the same time you're really upset about something but you don't know what it is and and then suddenly you're somewhere entirely different and you're like taking care of a dog and like none of it really makes any sense right to the logical mind you know it's that is rooted into um the kind of logical sense of time and space but the spirit layer to me is the experience that all human beings have that fascinates many people like you know I, i've read so many dream analysis books because i was fascinated with it and 
you know, the correlation between certain things. I mean, my sister has a situation where that whenever she has a solid dream when one of her teeth falls out, she's she knows that someone in the family's like ill or poorly and for some reason there's an odd correlation towards that whereas i haven't really found that correlation myself but it does seem to be the case with her um and it, it uncannily so people in the family do tend to then say oh i've I, i'm really poorly or something's going on with me you know shortly after she's had that dream she's often been a bit unusual in that way um in that precognitive aspect which is something i've i've never had precognitive i've always had sort of more directed ability but anyway that was a bit of a tangent but all of us have experienced dreams and this comes from as i mentioned briefly earlier the collective consciousness of energy right now this is just a a different frequency of energy that all of us at some point and it's almost like an upload of all of the experiences that every single life form is having that's stored in like a energetic database that we can tap into and feel and and go off into different dimensions and you know connect with different entities that live on different frequencies and you know this in itself requires a whole episode in it because it's a it's a realm that i was fascinated with for many many years but you know when people die they don't die they just lose their physical form and they go to the other side they exist in a different frequency different vibrational state different dimension and again something i'll delve into another another time in another episode but you know from my experience i have connected with entities had intelligences that i've had raw communications with you know and I, I went down the rabbit hole of thinking am i going schizophrenic here you know but i have my faculties you know i'm, I'm completely compass mentis but when in a deep state of meditation we can get frequency to the degree where that we can tune into different dimensions much like just tuning in you know on a radio and at that point we can connect with the vibration of another dimension and then at certain times there are um other consciousnesses or memories that are floating around in there that we can connect with we can feel things and live experiences i mean i've been deep meditative states where i've just lived another life entirely i knew who i was i was native american running around i knew what my clothes were like i knew what i was passionate about you know it's like i'm and it's it's like hd quality i can feel my emotions i can see the knife in my hand i can smell the trees around me and it's it's not something i'm creating it's something i'm watching as a movie or i'm in and they're so vivid and i can zip around in them and many people have these experiences like out-of-body experiences where they flow off to different dimensions and it's part of the human experience and you know science to some degree still doesn't understand how to quantify it how to measure it and this is the thing when things get outside of the newtonian physics here outside of matter it's very difficult to measure anything but because something can't be measured doesn't mean it doesn't exist right but you know i'm a lover of science but i'm also of the mindset that science 
is still catching up with the amazing multifaceted computer that is the brain and the body and the spirit and all of what it is to be human. And as humans, we know that there is a different level of experience that exists in, you know, dream realms and energy realms. And that's, that's something that I will delve very deeply into in another episode. But for now, I have actually gone on for much longer than I wanted to here. So I'll wrap up now my very first episode. And I hope for those of you that have been listening that this has been something that has been of interest to you. And it's given me a, a good few ideas actually of some other episodes that I will take a, a lovely deep dive into at another time. But please feel free to send me any messages and any suggestions even, any subjects you'd like me to talk about or any areas that you're more interested in. But for now, this has been my <clears throat> reflective ramble, I suppose, into what is the human experience? You know, it's, we'll no doubt have many more chapters to it, but this has been a, a lovely time for me to introduce how I think, how I've experienced things, and a time for you listening, I suppose, to understand the theme of more of the episodes that will be to come. I am planning on bringing in some people who have got a lot of very unusual experiences to do with, you know, ailing encounters, very unusual psychic phenomenon, and people that are very into health and well-being, fitness and natural healing. These are being organized, but I'll keep you posted about that. But for now, I'll talk to you another time. Thank you for listening, but please remember that the content of this podcast is here for inspiration and education and does not qualify as professional advice. If you have any questions, please visit www.soulgrowthadventures.com. That said, I hope you've enjoyed our journey together. And to conclude, let's set an intention to love, respect, and empower ourselves and those around us. Adam Leonard, signing off.